Welcome to the Art of Money podcast with Art McPherson. I hope you're enjoying your holiday weekend. Thanks for making us a part of it here on The Art of Money. Here with Art McPherson, I'm Jennifer Perry. And since we're all missing sports right now, we thought we'd revisit one of our favorite conversations with a sports legend here this weekend. A guy who could not only jump, but also kind of float through the air. We're talking about Julius Irving, Dr. J. But what you might not know is that he's dabbled in a different sport during his retirement years. And Art covered that in his recent interview with a basketball legend. Let's listen in. Dr. J, yes. thank you for taking the time and being on our show today, The Art of Money Radio. Okay. I appreciate you, and it's been fun knowing you indirectly, mm-hmm. you know, from mm-hmm. watching you on TV and right. seeing some of your posters in my buddy's rooms, and, yeah. <laughs> and the people you've posterized might not be so happy with that, but <laughs> you're kind of one of what I would call a transformative figure. Um, yeah. I think you transformed the game in a lot of ways. And one of the mm. things that you were known for doing was kind of bringing dunking artistry to the game mm-hmm. as kind of a, a really big part of the mm-hmm. game. But you also yeah. stayed in the air for a long time. <laughs> yeah. How did you do that? Yeah. Uh, hang time is something that I think you're gifted with. Everybody doesn't have it. And, right. You know, there, there were a lot of things that I used to do when I was – preteen uh, that got me in the air you know I mean I, I used to just love swinging real high on a set of swings in the playground and then jumping out and getting on the seesaw and jumping off and you know just experiencing that feeling of floating Okay. Um, and I guess it you know since I learned how to land by doing those other things when I started playing basketball and I started jumping you know, my landings were always good. I could land on balance and just kind of keep going. Nothing so, awkward. Yeah, so I think it, I, I think it had a lot to do with, uh, you know, my style of play, and then you know watching Connie Hawkins play and Elgin Baylor play, and you know watching Johnny Green jumping Johnny Green play, and you know those are guys who would go airborne and do things, and they would dunk the ball or grab rebounds or or just, you know. I would see that experience and it was attractive to me and so I went from being the student to to the teacher right and you know people started saying wow how did you do that and I guess when I began to try to explain it which was difficult to do because I used to just do it sure and not really explain it and then when I started you know lecturing the kids and doing clinics and whatever you start explaining things and Sometimes you get this blank look on their on their faces, <laughs> saying, "I hear what you're saying, but I can't do that." <laughs> right? Yeah. So you think? So it's just, not for everybody, <laughs> right? But you just think a lot of the things that you did, like on the playground, things like that, gave you the confidence to go ahead and try. So mm-hmm. even when the backboard got in your way, it wasn't in your way mm-hmm. to you. You just learned no, how to no. get around it. Yeah, mostly the opponents. I mean, the defense. <laughs> the defense is what you're maneuvering around. The backboard and the rim and the net, they're all stationary. They're, they're not going to change. So you don't even have to look at them when you're doing that because you know where they are. And and, uh, and as I grew, fortunately, I grew to be, you know, six foot six and, and uh, wiry and had big hands so I could grab the ball with one hand. So I, w- I was blessed with some physical attributes which allowed some, sure. of, some of that to happen along with the imagination and creativity 
to execute it. And then the, the big thing uh, was, you know, my, my game was a, a uh, it was a lot of showmanship. Sure. But every team I played on in my whole pro career, we never had a losing record. We always won. And I went to the playoffs 16 times in 16 years in two leagues. So the success ratio, Very you know, that was big because there are things that you won't do or you won't try to encourage a player to do if it's not associated with winning. Because right. in a team sport, you got to get Ws. Right. And you also, I think that's interesting how you said it was kind of a show. You know, I think that yeah. was, to me, that's what the 80s were really good and known mm. about. You know, it was the showmanship. A lot of you guys really had, yeah. I mean, you're amazing basketball, but you put on a great show. You really did and elevated yeah. basketball to what it is today. Yeah. Well, thank you. I take that as a, as a high compliment. And uh, it wasn't a plan. <laughs> it was just it was just the way it came out. And I, one of my former teammates, George Gervin, I, I listened to him talk about it, you know, sometimes because clearly in, in his mind he was like hey man when I go out there I'm putting on a show <laughs> they, they right. gonna, I might not win the game but we're going we're gonna to win the show and I always because of how I learned how to play and where I started playing was as a Salvation Army kid and playing on the team for the coaches that I had you know that, that win was more important than the show Sure, but if you didn't win and you were able to put on a good show, I guess it's not a bad consolation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are in the entertainment business when you get in the professional league, so yeah. it translates both ways, which yeah. is pretty powerful. Now, yeah. let me ask you another question. Yeah. I saw that you know not only were you transformative in kind of your style of basketball, mm -hmm. but you were, I think, the first player that really brought you know endorsements to the mix. You know, you were the mm -hmm. first one to kind of introduce, and I think it was with Converse. Yeah, back in the early 70s, uh, well, there, there were probably some other guys there. I, I think my endorsements crossed over, and when I say crossed over, I mean, became the type of deals that, you know, appeal to everybody in the country. Sure. Let's say, you know, mine were, particularly as far as the United States is concerned, things that I got involved with um, were things that could be used every day. You know the uh, the Dr. Shaw's, the Chapstick, the the Converse shoes. Yeah, you even had Dr. Uh, Chapstick. Spalding. I think. Of yeah, one we of had it. A yeah. Dr. Chapstick commercial. Yeah, um, and and all this was really born out of uh, doing charity work. I mean, I did I did PSAs when I was asked to do PSAs sure. uh, for March of Dimes and Red Cross and uh, Salvation Army, which was my pet charity or whatever. I think. Um, you know, there were marketers who got a chance to see me as being a good pitch man. Sure. So it came out of goodwill and charity, and then it transitioned into being, uh, you know, a paid endorser mm -hmm. uh, for products. And, and, I, and I tell that to young guys now. I said, you, you know, you go out and you, you do charity stuff, you know, embrace it, do it well, do it qualitatively. And watch what happens. You know, somebody could take notice and suddenly sure. say, hey, I want that guy to pitch my product because he's pretty good at pitching, you know, the, uh, the product of the charity. Now, I saw uh, this, and I was shocked to see this. I even saw that you had about a three-year stint in NASCAR. Yeah. You were a part owner of a yeah. Bush Series yeah. uh, team. Yeah, with Joe which, Washington. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I guess they call it the <clears throat> Infinity Series now. Yeah. Um, 
I live in Florida. Okay. So Florida, we're real close to Daytona. You right. Know, so the Daytona 500, and yeah. then we have the Coca-Cola 400 in the summer. So right. I get kind of spoiled. Right. You know, because I'm the, in Atlanta, so you know, you got yeah, the you got exactly 400. So how did you get yeah. involved into that? I, I became friendly with Joe Washington, who used to play for the, uh, you know, Washington Redskins. Sure. And uh, Oklahoma legend kid from Texas who really made good yeah. <laughs> Beaumont, Texas. So we became really friendly back in 74. And as we kind of moved through our lives together, uh, I think Joe Gibb had an influence on him yeah. in, in racing. Sure. And he came to me with it. And the next thing I know, you know, we had a car. <laughs> and uh, we, we were, you know, we were the Dr. Pepper car. Yeah. So it was Dr. J for Dr. Pepper. And Which Dr. Pepper was our big sponsor. Uh, during that time, and uh, and we did it for a few years, and I just still remember putting the earplugs in every time I got <laughs> near the race because it was so loud, it was so much volume, and and I've never been an under the hood guy, right, or whatever. So outside of the car was more important to me, sure. You know the look and the feel and decals and and, Not and the all, wrenching. and he was like more under the hood and you know every day, sure. and he was captain of the team. So I was sort of I was the co-pilot, and we did it for a few years, and you know it was an expensive proposition. <laughs> it was <laughs> I know in terms that's what lessons learned, best practices. Very expensive, yes. I mean, on a weekend, yeah, I mean, you can go through thousands of dollars worth of tires. Yes. Uh, you know, before you even get to the race, you're right? Just, you're just that's rehearsing. just warming up. Yeah, you're just yeah. warming up, and uh, and we had a few cars. We, we had a nice little car collection, and I I think for us, you know, the historical aspect of it, because you know there hadn't been very many African Americans. I think there was only one, yeah, you know, who had a team right. before us. Yeah, and uh, you know, so that when we got his family uh, together, and, and um, you know, kid came into our first big press conference and our big press announcement, and there's been several after, after us. But uh, leading up to that, and Joe had done the homework on it and said, you know. I mean, this is something that anybody can do, sure. and everybody can do, and it, and it's uh, it has the fan base that is probably the most loyal of any fan base. You know, when you when you're a fan of racing, I mean, I didn't whatever think about the whatever way, whatever yeah. the drivers use, whatever products they use, sure. whatever the decals are on the car, that's what you use, right? Or whatever. So that was one of the discoveries uh, there, and. Um, and it was, uh, it was a great experience. Well, Dr. J, thank mm -hmm. you for being on the show. Okay. Thank My you pleasure. for taking time. Yep. I appreciate it. All right. Till next time. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Julius Irving, Dr. J, the ultimate showman on the basketball court, the ultimate businessman, too. I mean, I was fascinated. I didn't know about his NASCAR background until you talked to him about that, Art. I know. That was pretty cool, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, very cool. So I love that he kind of, you know, tried a new sport and, uh, again, made some headway there in a place where minority ownership was uh, not a big deal at the time. So... I love his story, though, and as you said there in the interview, he really changed the game of basketball and how it's played. He did. I mean, he was a transformative figure, and he, you know, when he brought the game and actually changed the style of the game and the way the game was actually played, and they called it playing above the rim, you know, mm -hmm. where he would literally float, and of course, one of the guys that came in and played well above the rim, a lot like him, was Michael Jordan. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that was, I grew up watching Michael Jordan my whole 
teen years and up and watching him play and he lived above the rim and the hang time he had was very similar to Dr. J yeah. and Dominique Wilkins played above the rim, you know, and those yeah. guys were just amazing. Now there's a lot of guys got, that can dunk, but those guys just hung in the air for like ever. It seemed like, you know, well, three, like four, watching five ballet seconds. or something yeah. when they're just up there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and I thought crazy. it was interesting how he said, well, the rim, and the backboard don't move. I don't even have to look at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just thought that was so funny because yeah. I, f- I forgot he had said that. And uh, it's like, okay, well, most people are looking at the room in the backboard, <laughs> Dr. J. So the fact that you don't think you need to look at it when you're spinning and twisting the air just is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, certainly is. He made his mark on the sport. Just celebrated birthday number 70 this year, too. So, uh, you know, he's a guy who's living well in retirement. Still an imposing figure. When he walked into the room, I mean, we both had to crane our necks upward. So, And he's a gentle giant, though. Yes, he is. I mean, is. just his, you know, his vocals are just so gentle, but so, such a sharp guy, such a sharp businessman. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was, you know, probably a holy terror on the court when you're <laughs> right. playing against him. I wouldn't have wanted to. I mean, he just like, I'm going by you, <laughs> and I know where the backboard and the rim are because they're not moving. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting to it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Want more from Art McPherson of McPherson Financial Group? Find us online at artofmoneyradio.com. We are an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of financial and insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. Securities offered through World Equity Group, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services offered through ProStatus Group, LLC. McPherson Financial Group and ProStatus Group, LLC are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by World Equity Group, Inc. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Investment financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. Art McPherson is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Arthur McPherson. Florida Insurance License Number a one. Today's show has been a work of art. 